Greetings, folks. Apostle Lewis here for another weekly Kingdom Outlook. Fantastic to have you with us. Hey, before we get going, would you please go ahead, like, subscribe, and all that stuff, whether you're on Facebook, YouTube, or whatever prop Rumble, whatever platform you're on, whether you're on the Gates or Lewis D. Siena, because these go out on all these different platforms. Really help with the algorithms, write a comment, say hello, whatever you want to do there. I want to talk about a really interesting topic today that shouldn't be that you know, foreign for us. Salvation. Now, the reason I want to talk about this is because I think that, you know, a lot of people, sometimes a lot of people in the church, just something that happens is that we we don't really study things we should know. You know, um, I hate to say it, but sometimes in the church, uh, we listen to sermons about things, but we ourselves don't dive in and you know, really dive into what it means, certain topics. And one of the, obviously, the biggest ones would be for us, salvation. And I don't know any bigger one that we could have than that because of just, that's everything, right? I and mean, if we're not saved, what, <laughs> where are we going? And I, and I think that a lot of times we, we tend to jump over these a little too quickly. And so I want to, I want to talk about this here, um, you know, in the light of that. How are we going to, um, you know, what does it mean? Um, what are we What are we talking about, you know, to be saved? What does salvation mean? Um, and, and, it, and why is that so important? Well, it's important because if you're not saved, you know, that's not good. Okay, and I, I just wanted to uh, cover um, the the word there. Okay, so number one, the word "saved." Now, there's several different words, to, and we're going to talk about this. One of the words is "sozo." Uh, "Sozo" means simply uh, to save, rescue, to preserve. Uh, in the in the concordance, the Strong's concordance will say to be whole, body, soul, and spirit. In the months. Uh, it says to cure, heal, restore to health, to save, preserve, and being lost. So basically the months listed differently than it does in the Strong's Cornets, where the Strong's will um, um, more or less kind of um, um, uh, kind of go at the word in a way that um, just the way they kind of go after them is different, you know. And no, no problem there. They, that's certainly... Um, uh, equal to do that uh, in the, you know, so to save, to deliver, protect, heal, preserve, save, to do well. And so it, it means, it means to save you from everything um, to that you're going to be whole. It actually says, you know, one of the words there is to be whole, to make whole. So now, um, in other words, your body, soul, and spirit, your, your, when you're saved, you're, your spirit's reconnected to God. Your soul can be renewed. Your body can be um, uh, submitted to God. It can get away from the lust of the flesh and stuff like that. All right. So, um, you know, I want to talk about this because it's it's really interesting um, when we when we look into this stuff. In that, um, you know. Um, like when another word for it is soteria, 
Uh, it means a saving, preservation, or deliverance, spiritual or eternal, uh, being placed in the condition of salvation by an embracing of the Gospels, like one of the month's things there. But I want to talk to you about something different. I want to talk to you about the different stages of salvation, that there are, that it seems that the Bible refers to them differently. In other words, in some places, it says you are saved. It literally says you are saved. Um, it, it's it's wonderful. You are saved. Um, so, is there a way to lose salvation? And we're going to get into that. And I'm trying to use my words very, very carefully. Um, um, you know, 1 Corinthians 15. Let's look at that. Um I'm trying to use my words very carefully because I don't want you to fear losing your salvation. Okay, because it, it takes a lot to lose your salvation. All right, and you can lose your salvation. We'll get into that in a moment. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you, this is 1 Corinthians 15, the gospel which I preach to you, which also you are received, and which in which you stand, by which also you are saved. Now that one's got, I'm saved. It's a present tense. I'm saved, okay? And we need that, right? Like, when you come to Jesus, you are saved, okay? And, and it's funny because some scriptures say you will be saved. Isn't that interesting? Um, in other words, it's talking about a salvation in the future. It's talking about, obviously, talking about the return of the Lord. You will be saved. In other words, like, hey, you're saved here. You're going to be saved there. Um, but... The reason I'm going to explain why this is important to understand in the kingdom aspect. And then there's another scripture, uh, 1 Corinthians 1.18, that says, but those who are being saved. Wait a minute, now we're in the process of being saved. Now, why would God say you're saved, being saved, and will be saved? Because the kingdom of God in the earth is progressively growing. And so here's what you have to understand about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has always been. God is God. He's the, the king always has a kingdom. God has a kingdom. And that kingdom has a that is an eternal kingdom which has no beginning. And that kingdom has always been. It's it's very interesting that when you have to start thinking about things, like did God create something before he created the universe? And the answer to that is most likely yes. That before he created the, the universe, he most likely had living beings. Okay, he had living beings around his throne. He had living beings in, his, in heaven. Um, they were spiritual beings. They were not physical. They were not made of matter that we can touch and feel. Okay, and so they were there. And, and it's really hard for people to understand that what God has introduced and what God desires is for that kingdom rule to be implemented into the earth in what we do. Okay, it's, it's eternal, but it's also progressive. Where if we, if we read this properly, we'll go to, we're going to go to Daniel. And I want to show you the progressive nature of this so that you understand how the kingdom grows. Daniel gets this um, uh, wonderful gift from the Lord to uh, interpret dreams. Okay, 
And in chapter two, Nebuchadnezzar is really ticked off because he had some dreams and his wise men, the prophets of Baal and the saucers and all this, they, they can't interpret it. And he's starting to put people to death. They come to Daniel, Daniel says, stop it. We'll get the interpretation. Tell the king to hold off. We will go get the interpretation. He does. If you remember this, Daniel chapter 2, there's the four kingdoms. And it says this, um, just so we hear this, uh, verse 43, Daniel 2, this is his explanation of the dream. As you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to another people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. So I'm not setting up an earth. He's going to set up a kingdom. Inasmuch as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, and the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain. The interpretation is sure. You know, what is Daniel seeing? Daniel sees these four kingdoms. We all interpret them to understand them to be uh, the kingdom of Babylon, kingdom of Persian, Persia and Media. Uh, Medes, the kingdom of Greece, and the kingdom of Rome. And during all these kingdoms, by the way, they all existed in the days of Jesus. They were just all conquered. So there's only little pockets of them. Because remember, the the wise men come from come from the Babylon Persia area. Okay, so I want you to know that these kingdoms still existed. They just were minimized. They weren't the world dominant kingdom anymore. So you still had the kingdom of Babylon. You still had Persia. You still had Greece. Matter of fact, a lot of the Roman kingdom was based on Greek um, language and Greek understanding. And then you had the Roman Empire. But during these four kingdoms, of the, this, by the way, this is also the four beasts of Daniel's dream. Okay. And this is the beast mentioned in Revelation is the Roman Empire. I, I wish people would understand the beast is mentioned in Revelation. The Antichrist is not because the Antichrist is actually a spirit, not a person. It's a spirit that goes out and denies that Christ came in the flesh. John says the Antichrist has already gone out among you. Many Antichrists have gone out among you. It's, it's a spiritual thing. Not this number of a man. Remember, 666 is the number of a man, not the number of Antichrist. And that, by the way, is dealing with 666 shekels of gold, which Solomon began to take in every year to himself from the temple, which he was forbidden to do three things as a king. He weren't allowed to multiply wives. He didn't just add wives, he multiplied them. He was making covenants with all the kingdoms through wives, through taking their daughters on as wives. That's how he's making covenant. He was multiplying chariots. Why, why weren't they supposed to do that? Because your might was not going to be in chariots. Some trust in chariots. We don't trust in chariots. The third way was that you're not supposed to take money from the temple and multiply gold unto yourself. Solomon, in his peak height, the next chapter, what he does is all three of these things. It lists all three of them. So what does it talk about number of a man? It's talking about it's a king. It's, it's a number of man, but it's making reference. Remember how wicked Solomon got? And Solomon got pretty wicked. Okay, and and it's talking about that. I don't want to get into all that because you can get to real fun stuff knowing that Nero Caesar was 666 in Greek, like his, his name actually spelled out. 
or the numerical value of his name in Greek actually was 666. Now people go, no, it's a future antichrist. No, it's not, folks. Stop. I'm not saying that there aren't some antichrists or some wicked people in the world, but stop trying to make it fit something that doesn't. All right, so the fourth beast is dealing with Rome. During that time of the fourth beast, uh, God comes and sets up a kingdom. That came with Jesus Christ. They went and preached the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus preached. That's what the disciples preached. That's what John the Baptist preached. He didn't even preach, you know, uh, that's what they preached. Just read it. Okay. In that gospel message of the kingdom was the message of salvation. They didn't preach salvation. They preached the kingdom Part of that message was believe in Jesus and you will be saved. Why? Because there's this kingdom and you're not in it. How do you get in it? How do you see the kingdom? Jesus said you get born again. How do you enter the kingdom? Being born of the water and the spirit. In other words, baptisms. And that's how you enter the kingdom. Okay? You see it because you get born again. You're alive. You can now see the spiritual things of God. But you enter into them by water and by spirit. All right. I don't want to get into all the breakdown of that stuff. All right. Because that's not what the point here is. I want you to see that the kingdom is this progressive kingdom that's building. You got saved. When you accepted Jesus, you got saved. But you know what? There's part of you that's being saved. Like you are being saved. Your spirit, by the way, was saved. But your, 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 your mind, your soul is being saved. It's being renewed daily. It's, it's when you read the word, it's being renewed, it's being refreshed, it's being restored. Your body, however, does not get salvation. You put on incorruptible, and that's your body, uh, that's your physical body. It says you take off corruptible, put on incorruptible, that is when you'll be saved. Like, if you're wondering what happens to your body, you'll go, body, new body. And so every part of you, now, how can you lose salvation? How can we lose something that wasn't based on your works? Because people don't think you can lose your salvation. People actually think you have some kind of insurance. Now, you, it takes a lot. I'm going to tell you that. It takes a lot to lose your salvation. Because you have to get to a place where you deny Christ. By the way, I've seen this happen. And this is what it says. And it's really scary for me. That people don't know this. That people think, it doesn't matter what I do. But here's the problem. Sin becomes your master. That's what it says. So let's say I'm a drug addict. And now I start going after drugs. Well, as I feed that beast, it's going to take me away from God. To the point where I can get to a place where I don't, I don't believe in Jesus anymore. By the way... You have actor, 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 singer after singer says, well, I used to be a Christian. I'm not a Christian anymore. Now, let me ask you something. If someone says they were a Christian, then they deny that they're a Christian. Say, I don't believe in Jesus anymore. Let me ask you something. What do you think happens when you deny Jesus publicly? He denies you before the angels and your father. And I don't know how you're saved when... When Jesus denies you. In other words, Jesus says, I never knew you. <laughs> I never knew you. Guess what? Jesus has to know you to get to heaven. In other words, there's got to be that intimate relationship. Listen to this scripture and see if it will, um, see if it weighs on you. 
Verse 4, Hebrews 6. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened, once got born again, and have tasted of the heavenly gift, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit, and have tasted of the good word of God, and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance. It doesn't say it's impossible. Listen, it doesn't say it's impossible for them to fall away. He says, if you had someone down this road who accepted Christ, tasted of the gift of salvation and the Holy Spirit, and then sits there, and, and, and it actually goes on to sit there and say, and tasted of the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. If that person falls away, it's impossible to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. For the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated receives blessings from God. But if it bears thorns and briars, it is rejected and near to being cursed whose end is to be burned. That is not a... Great, 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 fun, fun, fun fact. See, people have this notion that because you prayed a prayer when you were six years old, you're saved. And when we teach that, Paul said, if you keep your faith to the end, you will be saved. If you keep your faith to the end, you will be saved. In other words, it is possible to lose your faith before Jesus comes, if you don't cultivate it every day in him. If you begin to take that day off, to take that time off and cultivating with him faith. Because you never want to do that. Just press into Jesus. Even if you're screwed up. Look, I don't care how much you sin. Okay? Press into God. Come back. You who are backslidden, come back, you who walked away because of hurts and wounds and dirt. Come back. I want to hear from you in in the I want to hear from you in the thing. DM me if you have to. Come on back and renew your faith in Christ. But if you've denied Jesus, if you sat there and said, I don't believe in him, it's you can't renew him to repentance because what you actually have to do is they would have to get born again again. And you can't get born again again. It's like really bad. Now, look, I am not the guy who's to decide who gets to go to heaven or not. That is not my job. Okay. And I am not going to do it. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to tell anyone, sorry, you can't be saved. Because my, I know that his mercy is amazing. And I'll let him judge your soul. I won't do it. But I'll tell you this, I'd live for him the rest of my life to see if, you know, you know, convince him I love him. You know what I mean? But usually those people actually deny him, usually never come back. Okay. I mean, I've known such. I've known such that have walked away, denied him, literally preach against actually they teach against him. They they have, they switch their U channel from the, the power of God to new age and just walked away. Because they got bitter. Really bad stuff. Bitterness is bad, folks. It's really, really bad. And you don't want to do it. Okay? But keep yourself in the love of God.
by praying in the Holy Ghost, by praying in tongues, keeping yourself in the love of God. Why? Because when you escape the love of God, when you start thinking God doesn't love you, when you start blaming God for everything, oh my God, I hate that part. As if you haven't had free will and God's made you make every decision in your life. Stop. Stop being bitter. Stop. Stop it. I, I do a lesson on bitterness. Um, um, I usually, I've done it like once a year. I haven't done it in a while. But I'll probably, maybe I'll post that because I will be gone um, for, uh, I'll be overseas doing some mission work. So maybe I'll post that and for, for not this week, but for the next week and just let that one play it out. That'd be fun to do for you. So I love you. Please, 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 please don't get bitter before God. It's not healthy. It won't do you well. I love you. And I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.